You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Come on and let's bless the name of Jesus right now. Clap those hands, stomp those feet, and just make a joyful, glorious noise right now. We are in the presence of God, and in the presence of God, there is healing, there is hope, there, 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 there is encouragement, there is affirmation, there is grace, and there is abounding favor. And right now, Jesus, we just, we just welcome you in our midst, and we thank you for your love and your mercy. Amen, somebody. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining Feast at Home. My name is Brother Audie Villaraza. I am your servant leader, and it is such a joy to be able to serve you. We're gonna, we're gonna give you a message today that that is going to bless you it's gonna anoint you but ultimately I pray that it will move you into action because that's what we want the Word of God is alive and active and until it becomes something that's put into action it, it becomes meaningless that's the Word of God it needs to move you into action it needs to move you to feed the hungry to shelter those who are homeless to love those who are poor those who are suffering let God move you into action this week my friend uh, but before we, we dive into God's Word, I'm already preaching to you. I, I just want to honor you for being here. And, you know, just in case you did not notice my my chosen fashion choice right now. <laughs> my wife was laughing at me before I came on. And she was wondering, um, did Raul Rocco suddenly come back to life? <laughs> before there was a, a, a Lito Atienza, there was Raul Rocco. But, you know, before Raul Rocco, there was Don Johnson from Miami Vice. And so I'm just happy to be able to wear summer clothes. This is the only chance I get to dress up the whole week. So please excuse me, all right? You can even dress up on Sunday on your own. Just just go loud and go big, all right? Because anyway, it's just you and your, ho- and your household. So anyway, I want to welcome all those who have come for the very first time you are very special to our family because you are the reason why we do this to welcome those who are far from the Lord to those who are unchurched people who need the love of God you are the special VIP right now and for that and to that we want to give you a special gift right after this session so if it's your first time I want you to write in the chat box I'm a first timer I'm a newcomer or I'm a newbie it's my first time and right after this we want to invite you to a little intimate gathering call that's a very small gathering called Zumustahan. All right, what we do is we gather some servants of ours and welcome you officially, give you a special gift, and I'm there personally to greet you and welcome you. So with that, I hope that you get to join us right after, right? We have one at 10 a.m. and one at 1 p.m., so I hope to see you there. But hey, it's already February. Can you imagine it? You know, Valentine's Day is already tomorrow. Advance happy Valentine's Day to all those who are in a relationship and to all the single people. Happy Independence Day to all of you guys. (laughs) Enjoy, enjoy this beautiful celebration of love but hey we want to uh we want to give a shout out to some very special people as well not just to the first timers but also to those who are celebrating their birthdays in the month of february come on the love month if it's your birthday just give me a raise of hands so that we know who we're going to be praying for we can't give you a physical gift we can't give you a physical hug but we can pray for you that's our gift a spiritual one so can i invite all those uh our family members who are not celebrating their birthdays if you can extend your hand towards the screen we believe that the power of God is flowing in every in every place right now and we just 
we just pray father in heaven we thank you that you are blessing your son and your daughter with a new life a new strength a new joy a new grace lord that is flowing in their life let them stretch their faith even more in this season of their life that they would come to know lord that you are a god who can do the impossible things we want you lord to stretch their resilience and their courage and their fortitude especially in this season lord we pray for more abundance more provision more strength more more healing but most, most importantly, Lord, more love that would flow in their life, overflow them with their life so they will have no choice but to spill it out into the world. This is our prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Happy birthday, everybody. Thank you so much for, uh, for uh, being part of our spiritual family. I hope and pray that we, we get to be together one day together physically, you know, worshiping the Lord. And I pray that it will happen very soon. Pray with me, okay? Oh, all right. I'm so excited because, you know, next Sunday we're going to do something very special. Um, I'm not going to tell you right now because it might it might uh, impede the, the surprise. But, you know, just, just be here next Sunday and we're going to celebrate together, okay? And with that, let's continue. The talk title for today is this. It's called Arrested. Arrested. For those of you who have missed our talks in, in the last few Sundays, hey, you can go back to our, uh, our previous. We've got an archive, a library, so to speak, in our Facebook and YouTube account. So please add us and like us and subscribe to us, all right? You can go back to those messages. So you can follow you know, the journey towards the Gospel of Matthew. With that, May I invite you to signify the greatest symbol of love as we all come in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's all stretch our hands and then say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved. I am God's servant. I am God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world in Jesus' name. Amen. To open us with the beautiful word of God, I, I, I want you and I encourage you to open your hearts and to ask the Lord to remove anything that might prevent Him from speaking into your life. Just say this with me, Lord, speak to me as we all welcome our preacher, Brother Bo Sanchez. Brother Bo, preach away, my friend. May you receive a visitation from God right now in your home, in your family, in your heart. Thank you so much again for being part of the feast. I want you to know that this, is, this talk is exciting for you and me because we are about to, like, like we're in the finish line of our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Welcome back, by the way, to the Gospel of Matthew. And we have four more talks left. We've been on it, the Gospel of Matthew, for the past two years. It's like mind-blowing, just the different things we're discovering. And I'm so happy that I can do it with you, my dear friend. While we're moving into the last four talks, I need to remind you. Sometimes, you know, in, in the midst of looking at the different trees of the forest, you forget about the whole forest. I want to remind you of the big message of the whole Gospel of Matthew, which is what? 
Open your ears. Are you ready? It is about Jesus, who is the upside-down king building an upside-down kingdom. Now, you might tell me, Brother Bo, what, 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 what's an upside-down king? Let me tell you, Jesus is an upside-down king because his throne is his cross and his crucifixion is his coronation. His execution is his exaltation. That's why he's an upside-down king. We're going to talk more about that in the next four talks, but today, I have a big message for you. Everybody say, I'm listening. <laughs> okay, here it is. Protect your kiss. What? What, Brother Bo? Protect your kiss. That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, I'm going to give you a warning. Before we open the, the, the key passage for today, it's going to be it's going to be about the arrest of Jesus and it's going to be in the trial of Jesus. Guess what? The temptation is to zone out because you've heard these readings many, many times before, especially during Holy Week. I want you to read it as if it was the first time. And I want you to pray that God will stir up in your heart an awakening that you will be shocked at you will discover from readings that you've known since you were a kid. And my prayer is that God will speak to you in a profoundly fresh way. Are you ready? Here we go. Lift up your hand if you can in honor of the Word of God and reverence the Word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let's read. Let's read the word. And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. So clearly this is a mob. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor, Judas, had given them a pre-arranged signal. What was the signal? You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So just a little background, maybe it was dark and you know, they, they, he needed to do this. And, and so the mob was waiting around and they needed to see, okay, who's Jesus among all of these guys? Verse 49, so Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed and gave him the kiss. Okay, question, <laughs> why would Judas kiss Jesus? Why not a high five? Why not a fist bump? <laughs> Granted, okay, just kidding. Like, like those things are, were, were not a thing 2,000 years ago. But, but hey, why not a wave? Why not a handshake? Why not even a hug? Why, well, you know, why not just point to him? That's Jesus. <laughs> no, Judas kissed Jesus. Why specifically a kiss? Let me tell you, Bible scholars think that it has something to do with Psalm 2. You see, Psalm 2 is the Psalm about the Messiah, the Anointed One, the coming King. And in verse 12, it says, kiss the Son. That's right. 
So, since Jews knew their Bible by heart, it's very possible that Judas, okay, used the kiss as an ironic insult. Perhaps it's the same way, like, like, like a few verses later on, you will, we will read, the Roman soldiers, you know, crowned Jesus with a crown of thorns or, and, and, and knelt down in mockery and, and called out, Hail, King of the Jews. Maybe it's something like that ironic insult, Judas kissing Jesus. Which brings me to my reflection, and I hope you're listening to every word I'm about to say. Perhaps Jesus is asking you, what kind of kiss are you giving me? Is it a kiss of love or is it a kiss of betrayal? Now, I want you to know that we pray, we go to church, we read the Bible, we pray our novenas, we pray the rosary, we call ourselves Catholic, we call, we call ourselves Christian. But question, what do they all mean? Do we actually love Jesus to the point of obedience, to the point of faithfulness? Not necessarily. In fact, early on in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 21, Here's what it says. This is what Jesus said. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. May I give you a rough analogy? After one feast, there was this woman who came up to me, greeted me, and then the, her first words to me was, Brother Bo, I follow you in your IG, in your Instagram, and, and you know, you are such a romantic guy. You're so romantic to your wife. My husband is like you, she said. He gives me flowers often. He says, I love you in the morning. I love you in the afternoon. I love you in the evening. And he's a singer, Brother Bo. So he serenades me. And you know, as she was telling me this, I knew there was something wrong. Because though there was there was, you know, she was like happy greeting me and all of that and telling me this whole story that her husband is romantic. I really already sensed that there was deep sadness in her eyes until finally she said, Pero Brother Bo, a long time ago, I discovered it was all fake because three times already, I caught my husband with another woman. On that day, I realized that there is a difference between romance and love. Now, I want you to know both are important, but one is more important than the other. One is an expression, but one is essential. Meaning, I want us to understand that being religious and being pious and all our prayers and all our Bible reading and all our prayer meetings and all our mass and masses and everything that we do in trying to connect to God religiously, they're important, they're the romance, they're the expression. But what is essential is love, obedience, faithfulness. And that's my question to you, which 
I'm going to repeat again the message, the big message for today. Protect your kiss. Because later on, as we continue the readings and the preaching, we will meet a bunch of guys, religious guys, who did not protect the purity of their kiss. And my prayer is that this message that you will receive today will be so transformational, you will not be the same person at the end of this talk. Audi Villarasa, give us the word. Thank you so much, Brother Bo, for that amazing message. Who's so good? If you are blessed by this message, why don't you just give the Lord a big hand right now? Come on and thank Him. Come on and praise Him. Come on and bless His name. You can type it in the chat box. Thank you, Jesus. You are good. God is good. Hallelujah. And while you're at it, why don't you also give yourself a big hand right now for still being here? Because the truth is, you could be anywhere doing something else. But hey, instead, you are here together with me and Brother Bo studying His Word. And for that, we want to honor you and thank you for inspiring us with your commitment and passion in learning about God more and more. Thank you for loving Jesus the way that you do. Ah, so good. Anyway, you know, we find ourselves in this story right now where Judas had recently just finished kissing Jesus on the cheek. And, you know, it was a stolen kiss. And, you know, usually stolen kisses are unacceptable in most societies. Some people even consider it to be a form of sexual harassment. Unless, of course, you know, it's, it's your crush that's kissing you. Then it's no longer a harassment. It's called an agreement between two parties, right? <laughs> anyway, for the next few minutes, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about this, this topic, the power of intention. That's right, the power of intention. We're going to read and then unpack all the verses line by line. So please stick with me. This is going to get good. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 26. If you've got a physical Bible, turn to verse 50. Jesus happens to be talking to uh, the Roman soldiers that were about to apprehend him. And then Jesus says, my friend, even if it was his captor, Jesus says, my friend. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and do what you have come for. And then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus, one of his disciples, pulled out his sword and then struck the high priest's slave, slashing off an ear. Jesus says, put away your sword because those who use the sword will die by the sword. I don't know if you caught it, but you know Matthew doesn't actually identify in his gospel who this unknown swordsman is, but we find out. In John chapter 18, verse 10, that it was actually Peter. Now, quick question. Why in the world was Peter, a peace-loving, gospel-preaching, kingdom-building disciple, why was he carrying a sword to begin with? It's a disciple of Jesus. Why was he carrying a weapon? I don't know. Maybe it's because, you know, Judea was probably infested with thieves and randing in tandem snatchers. You know, not the motorcycle kind, but maybe the donkey riding kind, right? I don't know, most probably, but you know, one thing's for sure. And here's the truth. Just because you say that you are a follower of Jesus, just because you think that you are a disciple of the Lord, it doesn't mean that you will not have a propensity for violence. You know, there are so many people who say that they love the Lord in public, but then in private, when the door is closed, what do they do? They beat their wife and kids. Some of them steal from people. You know, they backstab their friends. I mean, Peter was not a violent man. He was passionate, yes, but he wasn't violent. So what happened? What went wrong? 
here's my most humble opinion, all right? I believe that this is what happened. Peter's intention somehow became disconnected with his actions. Let me say that again. Peter's intention did not align with his actions. I want, I want to explain this to you very carefully, all right? So please follow. Peter's intention was good. I mean, that much we can deduce. He wanted to protect Jesus. That's all he wanted to do. But somehow his intention became disjointed from his actions. Remember this, all right? You can write this down. The right intention doesn't always guarantee the right execution. Look at Peter. Peter had the right intention, but he still had the wrong execution. Thomas Edison said this once upon a time. He said that a good intention with a bad approach often leads to a poor result. So if your intention is for good, then your approach, your execution must also be good. Otherwise, your intention will only lead to a poor outcome. This explains why, although Peter had a good heart, you know, he had good intentions, but he still led him to violence. What would have been the right execution? Would you like to know? Jesus actually showed it to us a few verses before this. All right, we studied this last Sunday. It says in verse 40, and I quote, Then Jesus came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What? What, Peter? Could you not watch with me for just one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. You know, take a look at this, all right? With one sword. Peter was ready. I mean, Peter was ready. He was ready to take on a small Roman army who was ready to arrest Jesus. And yet, before that, Peter could not even pray with Jesus for one hour. <laughs> I mean, what does that say to you and me? For one thing, prayer is the best weapon, but it's also the most difficult. To trust God is not, it's not the easiest thing to do, but it's the wisest thing to do, right? Jesus shows us the right approach is to what? To pray. Because prayer helps ward off temptation, but it also aligns our intention with God's heart. But instead of praying with Jesus, what did Peter and the boys do? They dozed off, right? They fell, fell asleep. You know, there's a Filipino saying. It says, Awayin mo na ang lasing, wag lang ang taong bagong gising. How many of you know this? In English, fight with a drunkard, but never pick a fight with a newly awakened person. Can I get an amen from all the married people? <laughs> you know this, right? I don't care how good the person is. If you wake me abruptly in the middle of a night, in the middle of a good dream, I will not hesitate to karate chop you in the neck. All right? <laughs> let me just say that. But let me say it again, all right? Even if you have the right intention, but then you've got the wrong execution, you will still have a poor outcome. What do you need to do? Pray to the Lord often. Jesus says in verse 52, put away your sword. When Peter used the sword, you know what he did? He accomplished very little. He was only able to slash off one ear. You know what's more powerful than the sword? God's word. The more time you spend with the Lord, the more you are aligned with this word. And when you've got the word of God in you, I am telling you, you are armed to pierce the hearts of people more than any weapon could. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. Give me a, an amen if you believe that. Ah, oh, that's right. What's more powerful than any weapon is the word of God. So let's use that as a weapon. Anyway, let's continue with the story. Jesus says in, in verse uh, 52, or rather 53, Jesus says, Don't you realize 
that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and you would and he would send them instantly but if I did how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Then Jesus said to the crowd, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day. But this is all happening, Jesus says, to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. And at that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. All the disciples deserted him and fled. Let me say that again. All the disciples deserted him and fled. You know, I would understand if these people were just an acquaintance of Jesus or maybe if they were just long lost relatives visiting him. But you know, no. These were the immediate disciples of Jesus. They were part of his family. You know, they witnessed his miracles. They saw him bring the dead back to life and bring sight to the blind and chase away demons. I mean, they even confessed with their own lips that he was the son of God. But, you know, truth be told, when push comes to shove, you know, the weak will always hit the road. And this is the truth, my friend. We never really know the true state of our hearts until a great trial comes and then all of a sudden we need to grapple with it. Even with the best of intentions, you know, it, we can be shaken by a great tribulation. That's why it's so valuable that our hearts have roots that are anchored to the Lord so that when storms come, our resilience and faithfulness will not be easily blown away. Amen. What happens next? Verse 57. Then the people who had arrested Jesus led him to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest with the teachers of religious law and elders had gathered. And meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how it would all end. You know, I find this so amusing that Peter was afraid of suffering the same persecution. So what did he do? He separated himself from Jesus. But then he still followed at a distance. A distance to observe, yes, to act as a witness, could be. But you know, a part of me wants to think that it was because Peter wanted to prove to himself that Jesus was actually wrong about him, that he was not a deserter or a denier. And you know, sometimes when we're caught doing the, the wrong thing, instead of apologizing or repenting, we try to justify it by saying that, hey, my intentions are good, you know, my heart is good. We become so defensive about it. You know, we don't have to be that way around Jesus. Let me tell you now, we can come to him with our shame and then we can ask for his mercy just the same. All right, verse 59. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find witnesses who would lie about Jesus so that they could put him to death. You know, in modern times, they would call this a kangaroo court. This happens when those who are in charge are the ones who are also bending the law in order to fit their personal agenda. Matthew said that the high council were what? They were trying to find witnesses who would, quote-unquote, lie about Jesus. But then the continuation of verse 59 says this, Even though they found so many who agreed, or rather, even though they found many who agreed to, fall, to give false witness, they could not use anyone's testimony. I want you to listen to this, all right? This is the remarkable testimony in the integrity of Jesus. That even if he wasn't liked by many people, by some people, it was difficult for the council to convince anybody who was willing to give a lie about the character of Jesus. You know, if anything, this should encourage us even more to follow Jesus. Let me show you this example, all right? Duke Ellington 
One of my musical inspirations growing up, here's a picture of him. He was a famous jazz singer in the early 20s. And no, I wasn't born in the 1920s, okay? I just happened to have an old soul. <laughs> he, he said a beautiful testimony about his fellow jazz singer, Louis Armstrong, who wrote and sang the beautiful song, What a Wonderful World. You remember that song? And I quote, uh, what's his name? Duke, Duke says to, to, to Louis, Louis was born poor, he died rich, and he never hurt anyone along the way. What a beautiful way to live your life. Don't you agree? Here's my advice coming from that quote. Strive to do the, the right things every day. You know, do good. Work hard. Do your thing. You know, get yourself out there. But be honest. You know, don't lie. Don't hurt anybody deliberately. And at the end of the day, you know, when things don't go your way, remember that you didn't lose. Because in the eyes of God, you actually won. What did you win? You won your dignity. You won your integrity. You won your honesty. Ultimately, you won your soul. You know, if you could live an honest life, a life filled with compassion and kindness and love without hurting anybody along the way, no one can lie about who you are, about your character. And if for some reason, you know, that somebody would be willing to give a false testimony about you, you can trust that God will be the one to acquit and reward you. Amen, somebody. That's actually what happened in the trial of Jesus, you know. Eventually, they were able to find two men who would lie about him. In verse 60, it says, Finally, two, came, two men came forward who declared, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. That's going to be important in a moment. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. I want you to take note of the patience of Jesus right now. You know, Jesus could have mounted a magnificent defense in the opening argument of the high council, but instead he remained silent. Why? Because Jesus knew the truth. You know, when you possess the truth, when you know the truth, you will have the courage to withstand any lie. Why? Because your intentions are clear. Your conscience is clear. You know that God's justice will defend you, that God's justice is always exact and never late. In fact, Jesus said it in verse 64. Jesus replied, you have said it. And in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming out in the clouds of heaven. I mean, my goodness. You know, the defender turned out to be what? To be the judge. You know, my friend, be careful when you judge people. Because there is only one judge and make no mistake, he is seated at the right hand of God and he will come to judge all of us in the proper time. And then let's read. I'm about to finish, okay? We've got a lot of readings today. Verse 65, Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Blasphemy! What do we need? Other, why do we need other witnesses? You have her, all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? And then everybody shouted, Guilty! He deserves to die. Then they began to spit in Jesus' face and beat him with their fists. And some slapped him, jeering, Prophecy to us, you Messiah! This is what we have been discussing all this time. Intention. Intention. You know, to the high council, perhaps their intentions were good. They thought that they were protecting the church by, by prosecuting this blasphemer. 
But you know, their intention was clouded by, 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 by sin and fueled by hatred. Good intentions might have made them church leaders, but the wrong execution may reduce them to mere thugs, you know, street bullies who took advantage of a helpless and defenseless man. I want you to remember this. They started with good intentions at one point in their life. You know, they made a sincere vow to serve God with all of their hearts. But then sadly, their intention was clouded over time with pride and slowly their ego took over. I want to share with you and close with this personal story. I, I shared this at the feast many times. In fact, I did a, I did a, a, a personal vlog about this one. There was a time when I actually started a vlog. Uh, I called it Audibles, Audibles. You know, you get it, okay? I wanted to use it as a platform to bless and encourage people uh, by giving them a good message, a positive message. And I started it with very good intentions. And I got to about eight episodes when I noticed something all of a sudden. I noticed that the moment I posted a vlog online, Instagram, Facebook, wherever, I kept on checking my phone again and again, you know, to see how many people liked it, who commented on it. And you know, at first, it was a source of joy. Let me be honest. It was a source of joy. Wow, so many people are blessed by my message. But then, you know, over time, it started to become a source of anxiety. How come this only got 1,500 views, but the other one got 3,000 views? I mean, I started questioning. Was my message not any good? Am I not any good? And you know, that's when I knew. And this is just me, all right? This is just me. I knew that my heart had changed. My intention was, was to let people draw closer to the Lord but because of my message. But then I found out that it was becoming more and more about myself and lesser and lesser about God. So you know what I did? I stopped. I stopped. You know, cold turkey. No hesitation. No regrets. I just stopped. Here's my belief. And you can quote me on this. It's not what you do that's important. It's why. You do it. That's the most important. Why? Because God is more concerned about the why more than the what. You know, this brings us now to a full circle on the message that Brother Bo preached. You know, protect your kiss. Can you type that in? Protect your kiss. Did you know that your kiss is one of the most personal and, and, and prized gift that you can give to somebody? Think about it. I mean, you know, you, you cannot kiss someone by accident. Right? I mean, there's no such thing as landing on someone's face accidentally, <laughs> right? When you give away your kiss, it's intentional. It, it's deliberate. And, and what you're doing is that you're actually giving consent, your consent for somebody to kiss you back. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. And I know there will be a lot of romantic moments for many of you. <laughs> okay? But before you give your most precious kiss, check if your heart is in the right place. That's how you protect it. Let me share something with you that I found on the internet. This, this made me laugh so much. It's in Tagalog, okay? I'm not going to translate it anymore. If there's somebody beside you who can translate it, then good. There's a message between two people. One who is inquiring for a, 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 a wedding coordinator for a wedding that she was going to have. And, and it goes like this. She says, Good morning po! Um, Magkano po ang wedding package nyo? Sumagot yung, yung wedding coordinator. Sabi niya, hello! Um, kailan po wedding nyo? At saan po ang location? Sabi nung, nung nag-i-inquire. Ah, nangliligaw pala, palang po sa, sa akin yung kaibigan ko. Pero parang feeling ko, siya na po. Ay, ganun po. O sige, ganito gawin natin. Gusto nyo, sagutin nyo na po siya mamaya. Pagkain ng tanghalian. Tapos, prenup tayo bukas. Sa isang araw naman, pagawa na kayo ng invitation. Ano palagay nyo, ma'am? 
Sabi nung nag-inquire, hindi po ba masyadong mabilis, sir? O siya, sige ma'am, i-update nyo na lang ako pag sinagot nyo na. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're so quick. This is just proof that sometimes, it's funny, right? But, you know, sometimes this is just evidence that sometimes we're just so quick in giving what's precious to us. But let me just repeat this again and again. Whoever you allow into your personal spaces will occupy a space in your heart. So I encourage you, always evaluate your reasons. Ask yourself, why? Why will I allow this person into my life? But of course, you know, let's be honest. You probably will not be able to, to discern that on your own. Because on your own, you know, your heart can be fickle and playful. Sometimes your heart will try to convince you, especially if you like that person. What do you do? Come to the Lord and then expose your heart to Him. Share your thoughts with Him. Expose your temptations to Him. Share your failures. Share your weaknesses. Share your confusion. Share your weak points. I mean, just be vulnerable in the presence of God. You can even do what Paul did when he said, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ can work through me. Amen. Because the truth is, you know, it's so easy to lose the purity of your heart especially when you're not watching it. But the power of Christ, it can put your heart always in the right place. Let's pray. Let's come in the presence of the Lord right now. Thank you so much, Jesus. Bow down your head. You can close your eyes. We thank you, Lord, for this message. And we want you to do a spiritual surgery in our heart right now. Set it off right in the right motion and cleanse us, Lord, from whatever wrong motivations. But then also, Lord, teach us how to execute it the right way. We want our hearts to be clean, but we want our actions to also be cleaner. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph slash radio.